Yes, Father, we thank you. We give you praise forever. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Oh. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, we are going to sit down in a moment. That's immediately after taking our chant concerning how the word of God is going to enter us today. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's declare it like we believe. If you don't know it by heart, just wave your hands quickly. We'll give you a copy of our magazines. Any face I don't recognize, everybody here should know it by heart. All right. All right. I want to let's go. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Can you greet somebody? Say, welcome to the school of prayer. Welcome somebody else. Welcome to Kingdom World School of Prayer. Where we are learning how to pray. We are learning how to pray. That's what we are doing. We are learning how to pray. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I've been praying for the last 30 minutes, so now we are going to go into teaching. Let me remind us that what we are doing is learning how to pray. What are we doing? We are trying to form a habit. We are turning prayer into a habit because Jesus said, what? No, I didn't hear you. Because when he said men, he didn't mean males. It meant every human being. Exactly, it meant homo sapiens. <laughs> Everybody should pray and not get tired of what? Pray. To surprise many people, if I say this, that you know, it's only in the recent years I think I began to really understand what prayer is. This year, or was it last year, I'm not sure, but within the last 12 months anyway, some things I used to call prayer, I changed my mind, I said they are not prayer. They are good but they are not prayer. Some of those things, they do not constitute what Jesus called prayer. As good as they are, they are not prayer. For example, when you confess the word of God to yourself, it's not prayer, it's meditation. There's a world of difference between prayer and meditation. Uh, maybe, I'll, I don't know whether we'll get it today or next time. No, next time maybe. I'll go into what I call aids to prayer companions to prayer. That's what I call those things. So meditating on the word of God is not prayer. It's good, though. Please, don't get me wrong. Meditating on God's word is very important. If you confess scripture, it's very good. It's important. But if you do that alone, you have not prayed. As good as it is. What is prayer? It means to turn your attention to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ and simply talk to him. I don't want to say make requests. No, that's only one part. So when you praise God, that is prayer. 
When you give thanks, it is prayer. When you commit yourself to him, it is prayer. When you make request of him, it is prayer. When you make request of him for somebody else or for something else, that is prayer. When you give thanks, it is prayer. When you pour your heart out before him, it is prayer. You know why I'm trying to emphasize this again is that a lot of people begin to prophesy when they have not been commanded. I hope you're getting my point. Because they think prophecy is prayer. Prophecy is not prayer. If you are prophesying, you are not praying. What do you do when you prophesy? You take what God has declared. Then you echo it on the earth so as to give it your own authority, so to speak. Do you understand my point? So as to bring it into effect in your environment. That's what prophecy is. So when you prophesy, you must have heard from God. You don't prophesy except you've heard from heaven. Who is it that says a thing and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? Uh, No, it's not a question. It's a quotation. (laughs) You understand my point? You know, so we have to bear that in mind. When we are prophesying, it is that we have heard from heaven. And we are declaring what heaven has spoken. I found out that a lot of people, without realizing this, they end up declaring against the purpose of God because they have not been into what the Bible calls his counsel. I hope you're getting my point. You have to be in his counsel first before you can come out and prophesy. There are different ways to be in his counsel, but the simplest, commonest way or the basic way for everybody is to be, be a constant student of the word, studying scriptures, like we said, confessing scriptures, meditating upon the word of God. That puts the word of God upon your lips. Then you can issue it forth. Now, but when you want to get specific into what must be done, please, you go beyond that level. I'm going to talk about something along that line today. Because... You see, sometimes God wants to maybe punish people. You start prophesying that no evil will come upon them. You are working against God. I hope I get my point. A time comes in which God says, I'm going to send Israel into captivity. Prophets began to prophesy that it will not happen. <laughs> Jeremiah said, it's going to happen. Jeremiah began to say to everybody, pack your load and follow the Babylonians. Because this is the word of the Lord for now. All of you are going into captivity. I hope you're getting my point. Now, I just wanted to use that one to explain to us again the difference between praying and what? Other spiritual activities that are good, but they don't constitute prayer. But we must learn to pray. And Jesus said we must pray, you know, without getting tired. Now, I keep on referring to that because that tells us that it's, it's labor. It's work. It can be tiring and one of the reasons why it will be tiring is that the results don't always come quickly. Bear that in mind. These are just our general introductions that we do once in a while, trying to emphasize to people why we study the issue of prayer. Now, let's not go into teaching for today. So last time, last two times, I began to explain something. How to receive, so to speak, by faith. Because sometimes, we read from Mark chapter 11, that Christians say things and it causes some confusion in which they ask God for something, 
And they go around saying to everybody, I have it already. And it creates confusion. And that's because Jesus said, believe that you have received it. The way most translations will put that portion of Mark chapter 11. But we saw that what he was saying was that, wait, when, God, when you ask God for something, he grants. There's a difference in time between when he grants and when you receive it physically. In between, what you are doing is what? Receiving. You are receiving. It's a process that works for some time. And I said that the reason why that process happens is because prayer does not just get you things from God. It changes you. The answers you're expecting from God doesn't come to everybody. It comes to a kind of person. And so if you ask for something that you have not yet become the kind of person that can receive it, God has to change you into that kind of person. I hope you're getting my point. So even though he grants it, you can't receive it yet. So what he does is to work on you. So it might take time. So in that period, you can say confidently, God has granted. I hope you're getting my point. You can say confidently, the Lord has granted. Have you received it? The answer will be, I am receiving. It is working. The process has started. Do you get my point? It is not everything that is instantaneous outwardly. All right? There often is a process. It's the reason why it took Israel some days it was supposed to be to get to the promised land. But then when, because they were not ready to receive the promised land, it took them years. And what happened in the 40 years was to process the people and turn them into people that could inhabit the promised land. Before that, they could not inhabit the promised land. You have to understand something. Every promised land has a kind of species of human beings that can come inside there. Otherwise, the land will reject them. I hope you're getting my When I say species of human beings, what I mean is this. God told Israel, I'm going to give you commandments, instructions. These are the laws by which you will live in that land. If you live any other way, the land will vomit you up. So God had to give them that this promised land requires, if, if you are going to endure there, people who live by these rules that I'm giving you. Now, the people who were living there, they did not follow these general rules. So the land became defiled and it vomited them up. And I'm using you to replace the people that the land has rejected. So when God wants to take into a promised land, he doesn't want you to reject you also. So he processes you into somebody who can occupy and dwell and you know, prolong his or her days in that promised land. And that's one reason why prayer sometimes will appear like the answer is delayed in coming. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, that's why prayer sometimes, it appears as if the answer is delayed in coming. Because God is processing each individual. Please don't ever forget it. God is processing each individual. We discussed this in the last two meetings in this particular series, just last week and the week before. So God is processing you, he's processing me. It is not as if he does not, he did not answer the prayer he did. But sometimes the processing time you know, is prolonged. And now the quicker you accomplish the processing, the quicker the answer becomes manifested physically. I hope you're getting my point. We looked at a man like Abraham, that it took God 25 years for Isaac to come into his life, not because God cannot make an Isaac in a day, but because the faith of um, Sarah, the faith of Abraham had to be you know, lifted to the level where they could receive Isaac and keep Isaac 
And eventually, Abraham what? Offer up Isaac. Because if you receive Isaac and your faith never reaches a level to which you can give him up, then that whole adventure has been what? A failure. I hope you're getting my point. Please, let's understand something. What God is doing in your life is more precious than that thing you're asking him to do. That thing you're asking him to give. The trial of your faith, the end of that faith, the, the end of that trial, I wanted to say, the end of that trial is that your faith is purified to an extent that is like gold. And God is looking forward to harvesting gold out of your life. I hope you're getting my point. Never forget that thing. Never forget it. You know, because faith, you know, we've been teaching on faith on Saturdays. And again, I'm realizing that the way we look at faith a lot of times is not really what faith is. You go and read your Bible very well. There's nobody you find out that by faith he got his own desires met. It is by faith they accomplish the purpose of God. I hope you're getting my point. Moses was not given to a man and his wife looking for children, so to speak. Moses was a servant of God that God sent through a particular household. So by faith, they received Moses. By faith, they kept Moses. By faith, they raised Moses. And by faith, they released Moses into the house of Pharaoh. Faith is not given for us to become settled in our own ways. Faith is given so that our lives can be useful to God. Faith is given so that God's purpose can be accomplished in our lives. I want to say this because a lot of Christians, you know, many of us who claim we are teaching faith, we don't really like to say it. That's why God can deny you some requests. Do you know he can do that? People say, no, no, no. No, sometimes it is faith for you to let it go. It is faith. It is faith. And I'm going to say something. In fact, that's my message for today. I think I can easily get into it. Let's not um, um, spend more time. What I'm talking about, the last, the last one I talked about, the fact that prayer may take time and what we are to do, all right? That's, I, I explained how, what we must understand, why it takes time. But I ended last time, or one of the things I said along the line, is that no matter how much delay we seem to be experiencing, we must never turn off the switch of faith. Remember that. Now, remember that. You must never turn off the switch of faith. You must never, please let me say that. No matter what's going on in your life, you must never turn off the switch of faith. One day I stumbled into a statement on Twitter. I shared it here at that time. And I said, no, Christians have been so badly taught. One young girl, well, sorry, I didn't see her. I don't know how old she was. But one lady, she was bold enough to put on Twitter. You know what they call Twitter? The whole world can see it. And she announced publicly that God has failed me again. Those were her words. She said, God has failed me again. He did it before. The failing God. He failed me last time. He has failed me again. Why? She did a UK exam. This is a test for, of foreign language and all of that. She just wants to go to UK. And she failed. Because she can't speak English and it's God's fault. <laughs> she failed and it's God's fault. He failed her again. God is the one conducting the exam. Go, come. 
counselor, Philip. Oh, God, I looked at her. Anyway, let me say this again. Eh? You know why people say God failed them? Because somebody said if you're tight, you can't fail. So she must have taken her application, wrapped it with a mantle, or dropped oil at the edge of the paper. On her computer, would they take submit this day? She would have rubbed computer on the mouse, on the screen, on the keyboard. Would have rubbed oil on the computer, mouse, keyboard when submitting, and declared, and you know was so sure, sure. Now let me say it again: faith and being sure are two different things. Ignorance people have been shown to be the surest. People who know little are usually the most confident. So please, for a moment, don't even think that the fact that you feel sure means you have faith. It doesn't. In fact, people who have greatest faith, greatest faith from scriptures are not the ones that sounded so sure. They are the ones, if you go and check, they sounded most desperate. Like they had nowhere else to go. It's like saying, God, if you won't bless me, I'm not going. We know the story of that woman that came to pray for her daughter. Jesus said, we can't give the, the children's bread to the dogs. And the woman said, how about God? I'm not asking for the children's bread. I'm asking for the crumbs that fall from their table. And the woman, and Jesus said concerning her, great is your faith. So the fact that you are feeling sure is not what faith is. The young woman said, God has failed me again. Let's just make it clear. God cannot fail anybody. It is not one of the abilities he has. He can't. If anything doesn't go right, by your own perception, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your father, you misunderstood him, or you didn't do what he told you to do, or you want to go where he said you should not go, you want to do what he said you should not do. Basically, you are running your own life, and you want him to just be rubber stamping it. Never forget, God doesn't work for you, you work for him. That's one thing a lot of us don't understand. We think that once you press the right keys, God must respond. That's if he's working for you. There are no right keys with God to be controlling him. He's not a computer. He's not a robot. We treat him sometimes as if he's a computer. If you hit the right keys, you press enter. Even computer, Microsoft said they, they hang. You hit the right key, computer go freeze. Uh, it hasn't happened to you before. Especially when the computer has to pass through the bank. <laughs> I know how many right keys I hit today. I caught the first. Did you get the money? So a guy never get them. I go and check. And they say, unexplained error. <laughs> so they didn't take the money. Don't worry. They just kept the money there for me. Even as human computer. How much more God who is not a computer? You can hit key from that to tomorrow. It doesn't mean anything. Please never forget. Think of God as a, as a real father. There are no keys to hit with daddy in my house. Better go and make your intercession. Make sure your requests are in line with the will of God. There's no method you want to use. One of those things my wife learned early is that there's no, there's no, there's no trick around this guy. Let me say he cries. My husband, don't waste your time. And I came and I said, look, it is not your strong face that made me say no. So your cry will not make me say yes. Does two plus two become ten now because you are crying? You go to the bank, give a cashier money, please lodge it in for me. She creates your account with 5,000 naira. Please, now just make it 15,000. Is that cry a river for, for him or her there? Will he add some of the money? <laughs> what I'm going to say is that, listen, let's not treat God like a robot. 
It's not a key thing. It's a living father, a loving, able father that we are dealing with. I hope you're getting my point. So the young woman said, God has failed me again because she thought she pressed the right keys and he did not respond. So he failed again. God's hard disk is not working. Because I did everything right. I mean, if you say God failed, that means you are so sure. And that statement is very arrogant. Because you are so sure you did everything correctly. The fault must be on his side. Let me say it again. The fault is never on his side. Never. The fault is never on his side. Never forget that. He can never make a mistake. He never does what is wrong. He never makes a mistake. He never does what is wrong. He never does what is unjust. He's always right. He's always true. And he's always on time. Some things are just his nature. It's not something he tries to do. Anytime he moves, that's the right time. You know, it's interesting. There was a time, they, that's when Jesus was on the earth. Though. Not even Heavenly Father in heaven now. Jesus on the earth. They came and said, your friend is sick. He said, let's use Nigerian English. And they come. They said, all right. He said, he's coming. First day, did he get there? No. Second day, did he get there? No. Uh-uh. Now, we don't know how long he delayed. We only know that it took him, he got there four days after the man died. And they sent for him before he died. So he may, may have delayed for up to two weeks. We don't know for sure. We only know that he moved when he was going to get there four days after the man's death. So as far as everybody was concerned, he was late. Why? The man is dead. But I like the way he did it. He said, anytime I get there, is the right time. Anytime I get there, that's the right time. They say, rush, rush, get here then before he dies. He said, it makes no difference. All that will happen if I don't come the time you people want is that he will sleep. And when I come, what do I do? I wake him up. Exactly what he told the disciples. So our friend Lazarus is sleeping. Let us go and wake him up. The time he came became the right time. Please don't forget. Anytime God shows up, that's the right time. That is the right time. It is the right time. It is the right time. It is absolutely the right time. Once it shows up, that's the right time. Let's leave that one there. The Lord is good. So the young woman who said, God has failed me again. If ever she gets to hear this message, she should go and repent. And say, Lord, I'm sorry. I failed you again. I failed you twice. In that exam, I failed you. In my comment on Twitter, I failed you. But you are a merciful God. Please have mercy on me. That's the way it works. The Lord is good. What are we talking about? We're talking about the fact that no matter what's going on, faith must never be switched off. What I'm talking about today is how to keep that faith on. That's my message for today. As part of our prayer basic series. Now, faith is important. Let's not forget it. If you lose faith, let's just read this as our text to start. James chapter 1. So what am I talking about today? How to keep, how to keep doubt away. How to keep faith switched on. How to keep doubt away from your life. Especially during that period of delay that we talked about the last two uh, meetings. Let's just read this James chapter 1. 
Just about four verses from verse six. Okay, no, let's start from verse five. Read about five verses. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. Please notice this. James said, anytime you're asking God for something, you must be in faith without any form of doubt in your heart. The reason is because the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Why? He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Doubt is being double-minded. Doubt is saying one thing and thinking another, saying one thing today, saying another thing tomorrow. That's what doubt is. He said, if you are like that, you will not receive anything from God. Are you reading with me? Did I tell you where I'm reading from? I said James 1, right? Okay. So, this is one thing I want to understand again. If doubt is in our hearts, you know, my wife asked me this question some years ago. That if Daniel, you remember the story of Daniel? How he waited, he prayed. And then the angel came and said, oh, Daniel, man of high esteem. The day you started praying, God heard you. And then they're looking like, God heard me. So it took you 21 days to let me know that. I hope you get my point. Then when he arrived, so my wife asked a question then. What if Daniel has stopped praying? And it made me think, because if God had heard, he had heard. I hope you get my point. So would the angel still have come? The answer simply is no. Now, why would the angel have gone back? It's simple. It's not because they are angry. Because Daniel, by his departing from prayer and waiting for that angel, will have no longer been in what? Faith. That's it. That's just the issue. Now, he doesn't have to physically be in that place or refuse to go to work because he was doing a partial fast. He was working. You understand? He was going about his business. He was eating very little. Just used to take time out to pray on a daily basis. If he had stopped, it would be that he had given up. And once he gives up, it's interpreted as lack of faith. So the angel will have had to go back. And Daniel will have thought God didn't hear. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. It's important we keep... So what I'm teaching today in the matter of prayer, is just, it's, it's in tandem with what I've been talking about on Saturdays on the issue of, of faith. You know, if you're listening to this on the recording, remember... Get the series we were doing side by side with this on, on faith, which is, um, um, I think, it's Faith Fundamentals for the Christian Work or Christian Living, something like that. Okay? It's in tandem. The issue of faith that we're discussing is very important. You can't afford to let faith fail or you walk away from faith because it cripples what God wants to do. You can see James said it here clearly. If you allow doubt in your heart, he says, such a person, he said, we must ask in faith without doubting, because the one that doubts like the stuff of the seed, such a person ought not to expect he will receive anything from the Lord. So it's crucial that while we are waiting, we are in faith. What did I say? It's crucial. Faith must never be switched off. If you are waiting for healing to come, faith must never be switched off. If you are waiting to be able to walk into your destiny and understand what God wants to do in life, faith must never be switched off. It must never go to a point in which, ah, you leave the thing. You say, how far? And I say, mm. Don't let that mm ever come from your mouth. Let what will come from your mouth all the time be what? Thanksgiving. 
And something to show that you are still in faith. You must never, listen, never ever let faith die. And that's what I'm talking about today. What are you to do? Incidentally, today I have steps. UJT <laughs> is laughing. This is laughing from the bottom of her heart. Who teach you steps? I have steps. Okay. I don't know whether it's steps, but I have points. Amen. All right, so let's go on. Now, I'm going to give us a number of points, okay, in practical steps that we, we can take to ensure that faith does not you know, fail, that we don't depart from faith. Because I need to emphasize it again. If you go and read that story from Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 14 of Peter in front of Jesus Christ. You know Jesus was there. Did he sink? Answer me, did he sink? Yes. yes, he began to sink. And Jesus gave us the reason why. Why did you doubt? You have to fight doubt. There's a series of messages we taught some years ago. You can get it from our website titled The Fight Against Unbelief. It's important. Sometimes when we pray, I'm, I'm quoting a man of God here, a preacher. He said that the one thing that delays answers to prayer is that doubt has to be wiped out. So that God takes time. He waits for you. You walk together until he cleans all the doubt out of your heart. And of course, we understand the reason why. If he gives you Isaac with a lot of doubt in your heart, Isaac will fall sick and die. I hope you're getting my point. It's very important. Before he releases Isaac, he wants to be sure he can hold Isaac. Please, in this life, eh, don't let challenges discourage you. Understand that they are, those challenges are building up something that you will need later. You hear what I said? Don't let them discourage you. That's why James said, beloved, count it all joy. See, because the reason is that there are many things God wants to do for people. We scuttle them. We spoil them. He said, Peter, walk on water. Peter started sinking. And then the, the book is written on it. How not to put your life in danger by going out into water-walking things. Why? All right, number one, Peter is a man. He's not fish. Point number one, first lecture. Know what you are not. <laughs> Bestseller, thank you. Everybody is now shouting, I'm not fish, I'm not a fish, I'm not fish, I'm not a fish. So tell children, how do you prevent yourself from dying anyhow? Don't behave like fish. Jesus, look at all this talk. The problem is what? Unbelief, doubt, fear, those three things. It has nothing to do whether it's fish or not fish. Did I not walk on that water? Let me say this almost prophetically. Don't join those who whine and complain about the condition around in the country. See, you know, when they issued the first GSM line census in Nigeria, 2G, so now we're on 5G. The last one we sold is 5G. When they did the 2G, the 2G line census around 19, the year 2000, right? The person just came in 99. Uh-huh. They were bidding and bidding. They stopped bidding at around $275 million. And um, Akim Belosage, he and his team, they pulled out. Once they were hitting $200 million, they said they're not bidding again. Once they were hitting $200 million, they said they're not bidding again. They asked Akim why. He said no company in Nigeria will make money if you have to pay more than $200 million for the license. Many years later, about 20 years later, about, okay, between 15 and 20 years later, he gave a speech somewhere in one graduating, to one graduating class in an American university. 
said, that was the worst business decision of my life. He said, now we know that the true value was $800 million. Yeah, that is, when they, when they paid $275 million, he said the real value was $800 million. That now, he said, now we know. The same man tried to come back in through a T-salad. It was late. The Bible says that faith works by love, right? Pascal Dozier's statement, chairman of MTN. That was one that just caught it. It's a spiritual principle. When they asked him, he said it's not about making money. He said Nigeria is ripe for a GSM network. Now, whether we make money or not, why won't we build this network for our country? MTN is number one till today. Their chairman said, it's not about money. We have to build this in our country too. Akim said, it was my worst business decision ever. Now, let me say something to you. All the talk was there then that it can't work. You don't blame Akim. Everybody said it couldn't work. Obasanjo personally went to UK companies, BT Cellnet. Um, I think um, the number of them. Orange, he talked to their, their executive. Come to Nigeria. There's business. They talked to each other. Vodafone. They said, no, it can't work. One man strive Masiwa through a connect. He said, Africa, we know how to do it. They did things in Nigeria that they and MTN had never done anywhere. Nobody had ever done in the world. If you read Strive Masiwa's blog, there were things he did in Econet. The MTN guy called him and said, oh boy, what are you up to? MTN had to copy him. Why? They said Nigeria didn't have infrastructure. They said no problem. Until it is built, we link through satellite. GSM were not linking through satellite. He said, no, come on, rent satellites for me or launch satellites. They either they rented or, or, or bought satellites, whatever they needed to do. They were connecting us all over the place. Those early days, there used to be a lag. That's because the satellite is slow. Cable is the fastest. They did things. People said there's no infrastructure. There's no power. They said there's no problem. They will put a GSM mass down, put two generators there. They generated their own power. At the end of the day, all of us paid for it. As technology was improving and infrastructure was improving, that's why even though dollar has more than gone up by more than fivefold since that time, the call rate kept on dropping. Or it is stabilized at a low level as if it's not touched by inflation. What was the reason? The price kept on coming down as they were solving problems. Talking to my brother the other day, he told me of something that happened. That is technology advancement. He said the number one thing they use those um, generators for is to cool the place because the equipment needed cooling. So it's for air conditioning. He said now the new technology is open air machines that don't need any cooling. They can hang them out under a tree. So those guys reduce the size of their generators. Now they can just by the way. Their number one problem now is thieves. To know the kind of human beings that we are. I have to pray that God won't send everybody to hellfire. Tell you, we are more blessed than we deserve. The, the criminality is painful. They will have been making more money and charging us less, but they spend so money, much money on security. Why? They steal their inverter batteries. That's an aside. Despite that, Nigeria became MTN's most lucrative market. 
What am I using all these ways to tell you? Don't sit down there and be grumbling. Every challenge has a solution. The Bible says that God has kept it for the upright. There is a solution. There is. There is. The solution is not the one Americans are using. You know, everybody just like, you know, when I talk to my friends in the U.S., one of my brothers particularly, when I then the way we do banking, his jaw drops open. He said, please, I want to send somebody money. Uh, whether I can help send the person a check. I said, send somebody a check. Who does that? <laughs> I said, just tell me now. I send it now. Before we finish this talk, the person has received the money. He said, eh. He said, sorry. He lives in America. He said, it looks like you guys are far ahead of us. When I tell him about um, this, um, this US, USSD codes for... He hasn't heard it before. He's still writing checks and sending checks. I say, which country you will live in? Are you living in which planet? I don't think I've written up to two checks in the last five years. Write check to who? For what? <laughs> the last time I remember writing a check was to use it as like proof of agreement. So that when, no, not collateral. Like I give you the check. Once you take it, You've accepted. So the next time I said to the person, no, no need. Send me a text. Because we used to use check for that. Instead of having receipts and agreement and all of that, you issue the check, write something on the back, give it the, you make a copy of it, give the fellow. Once he lodges it in, he just signed that you guys have an agreement. I said, okay, no, there's no need. Send me a text message. So once he sends the text, wire his money. Yet my friend in America was looking at me like, what are you talking about? When he wanted to send money, he said that, uh, please, oh, uh, can you help me send it? I said, what is up with you guys there? Don't you know what's going on in the world? He said, sorry. I said, there's an app. I, had to, I was going to teach him, download this app. Go to the Apple or Android store. Download the app and use your credit. He said, hey, okay, let me see where I work. I said, which country do you live in? Now, where I'm going with some of these things is that some of these were developed for Africa. This mobile banking was invented because of Afri- rural Africa. So that a farmer can doesn't have to go to a bank, just have a phone. That is, a farmer doesn't have to that is just have a phone. With a phone, there are codes to use to check what's the price of grain today. You sell your grain, they, they, no, they move this, and the person goes home, put the phone in the pocket, and that's his bank account. So that banks are opening accounts with your phone number. That your account number is your phone number. Now I'm talking about. Wisdom that came out because there's no infrastructure. So just sit down there and just be lamenting. An architect designed a building in Kenya, I think, that requires 70% less energy to cool it. Taking ideas from an anthill. He just checked the termites. He said, this termite, they check the temperature and they call the termite anthill. It's constant. Whether it's hot outside or freezing outside, temperature inside does not change. The architect studied it and used it to build a building in Kenya right now. It's there that uses far less energy. This is 90% less or 70% less to cool. But with ideas, it got from where? Termites. They aren't here. Look, if God, you know, there are things I like. You just like preaching and God give person. It's what they call biomimicry. No, no, no. It's not biomimicry I'm looking for. There's one word. Yeah, there's, there's what is called biomimicry. I think it's biomimicry. Is it what this, that is... They are, they are engineers, engineers that all they just do is study nature to design. Because I, you know, we wrote an article on it. Uh, can't remember. 
look. The design, I, I like the one, this, that one. I saw the video, it was beautiful. They showed how the kingfisher bird fishes and doesn't cause a ripple. Enters water. Almost no ripple on the surface of the water. How is this fish? It's when it comes out, you now see the ripple. They use it to design, you know, trains. To streamline trains. Now, where I'm going with all of this is that there's wisdom everywhere that can only come out when you find problems. If there's no problem, you'll just be as stupid as normal. <laughs> it is, so when you see difficulty, don't be there. Why? You know, when I see people talking, hey, this country, this country, all those that with this country, they make me laugh. There's one clown. The problem with this country is that country is not well. I will have one, uh, 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 one of this, uh, this music uh, award. Yeah, well, I won Grammy five years today. The country was better. I say, worker. You won't it at all. I will have put you in, the, put you in Europe. Nobody will hear of you forever. We'll never have heard of you. And they are giving you a Grammy award. It is because of the problems. If I want to ruin your chance at Grammy award, I give you constant power from the age of zero. You'll be born with AC as your mama is delivering your AC could blow. You will never sink in your life. Because the kind of song in your heart, only difficulty can bring it out. <laughs> ah, you think it's everybody that can sing every song? I like one thing a, a New Jersey Mass Choir sang those days. They said, I've got a song that the angels can't sing. He said, I have a song that angels can't sing. He said, I'm redeemed. My soul is redeemed. He said, angels, sing that one. <laughs> No, it's a beautiful song. The guy said, he said, I've got a song that angels can't sing. So it's not every song that everybody can sing. We have to throw you somewhere. When you come out, when you sing of the deliverance of the Lord, you win Grammy. Please, eh? so if you see problems, eh? don't just be saying, you see, my friends have heard. Listen, they don't have your destiny. And many people, they've thrown away their destiny looking for where life is easy. So at the end of the day, they say, okay, no destiny, easy life. And listen, God will be looking at you like this. Choose one, destiny or easy life. You go, look, look, look. I bet a bed in hand is water in the bush. Dest- uh, easy life. You say, good. Um, angel, Gabriel Michael, arrange easy life for him. And the angels will be crying. So you get a good job. Because if you don't understand your destiny, you know, each of your children will have become employers. I'm not talking about you now. That what I will bring out of you, the least amongst you will be a nation. But give him a house, give him two cars. And he'll be there telling that, you see, ever since I left this country. <laughs> I beg, what was I trying to tell you? Please, don't, don't whine. Don't complain. Get on your knees and pray. And say, Lord, where's my wisdom? Where's my wisdom? And there's something that Paul said. He said, we are comforted in our afflictions. There's a reason for it. He said, so that we can comfort those who are similarly afflicted. With what? The same comfort. That's business for you. The wisdom God gives you to solve certain personal problems. Now becomes the wisdom with which you will change the world. Like I said, that's an aside, all right? Don't charge you anything extra for that. Let's get that the main thing you paid for. <laughs> the Lord is good. 
Alright, so how to not lose faith is what we are talking about today. Let's see how far we can go. I'm just looking at my time. My time has running very fast. How not to lose faith? We have established that faith is very important. When we go to pray, I'll give us a number of points. Number one, please, I said something at the beginning. God is not here as your servant. You are the servant, you are the child. It's two things. He's the father, he's the master. Two positions you can't challenge. All right? Now, one of the things you have to understand is that when you want to make requests, make, if your faith will not change, make requests based only on God's promises. And point number two, which is part of point number one, avoid unnecessary specifics. Some people taught faith and said, look, you have to be sure. Mm-mm. Tell God exactly the kind of car the kind of color, the number of rooms in the house, the kind I used to believe, and sometimes we have to, now let me tell you something about God there. He can do exceedingly far above what you can ask or think. I hope you get my point. So that's what confuses us sometimes. Some people would actually ask God for the color of something and they get it. They come and give a testimony. The next person now says, that's what I want. That, see, God just did something for somebody, doesn't make it a principle. Having studied faith all these years, I can assure you all right? That when it comes to holding on in faith, leave all those specifics out. This is how I say it. Anything that you can change, hmm? and you will still say God has answered me, then don't ask for it. Let me, let me explain what I'm say. Let's, please, life is not about car and house and all of that. Just that it's easy to explain. Let us assume now that I want, I need a car. I need a car to move around, help my family and all of that. So I say to God, Give me a Camry, a nineteen, uh, sorry, a twenty twenty-two Camry, one twenty twenty-three, right? Good. Now let me ask you a question: If God brought a twenty twenty-three Venza, will you collect it as an answer? <laughs> if God brought a twenty twenty-two Altima, will you say it's an answer? If He brought a an SUV, a small SUV, maybe a very nice Kia Sorento 2022 model. Will you say it's an answer? For that reason, next time you are going to pray, don't specify one. Because obviously anyone will work. But let me ask you a question. If you brought a lorry, will you say it's an answer? Good, good. So, the lorry is not an answer. Thank you. So, you can see, you can say, Lord, I don't want a lorry. <laughs> Do you get my point? But you, you get my logic. So, I can say, Lord, this is how I pray my own prayer. If I were the one, I need a car that's not old. Even though we generally used, I say, Lord, anything from brand new to very. Because you can say that, hey, Lord, I want it brand new. They don't give you one that's less than 10,000 miles. No dent on it. You still accept it. I have a friend in the U.S. He said he doesn't buy brand new cars apart from for his wife. He never buys brand new cars. What is his reason? He said the price difference is too huge. So if he wants to buy a car in 2023, he'll buy a 2023 model. That somebody has used for like 5,000, 10,000 miles. He said, I shave off like $10,000 of the price. Let me save my money. I said, why do you have to buy a brand new for your wife? He said, I won't tell you this. It's personal gist. He said, he said no, for his wife, that's a brand new. He said, his wife would rather have a brand new Corolla than a used Lexus LS 460. He said, she just insists on tearing the rubber by herself. There's a reason why. 
You get why? But, <laughs> that just, now, the point I'm just making is this. So, now, that's just an aside. So, anything that you can vary and you still say that God answered you, then why are you claiming it is faith? You put on the one, they claim the name of Jesus. I received a blue 2022 Toyota Camry. I received that, I received it. It's nonsense. It's not necessary. Because God, yes, okay, no worry. Don't worry, okay, no problem. It's, um, Gabriel, come. Give me that um, 2023 20, Kia Sportage. Give it to him. Will you stop praying? Yes. Then why are you now holding on to one? And then sometimes what God wants to give you. As the time I praying, they've not even made it. You haven't seen it. Yeah, that is true. A friend of mine sent me a picture yesterday. He said, ah, see, the crown is back. I said, crown? Toyota crown. I said, wow, okay. Okay, so I think, oh, I said, oh, that's nice. Then I went and checked. They've thrown away. They don't make Avalon again. They now make crown. Are you getting my point? Because I was saying that, where would they put crown beside Avalon? And I just quickly check on it and say that they've discontinued the Avalon. They reintroduced the crown. So if God wants to give you a crown, how will you pray for it? That's just an example. Do you follow my point? It's an example. You have to learn to discern what exactly your real need is. Those are the things I'm saying. So that's why I say when your requests are going to be made, restrict them to the word of God. What is the word of God? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Do you get my point? He supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory. I think this idea of tell God exactly is not necessary. What it does is that it makes you waver. There's a particular brand of car. Let me know because we are preaching. Let me not speak that. I used to look that guy when I used to see on the road those days. I used to love it. Just it would go past me like this. I will look. Whoa. Father, it's not the kind of thing you give Father Abraham. Oh, you know, I'll be smiling. Then one of my senior colleagues now bought one. <laughs> the day I caught him, oh, God, just a chop life anyhow. You know that kind of thing. He was making light of that. I said, oh, God, this is not light. This is heavy. Then one day we went to Opak. Now one, <laughs> one boss, a man, I wanted to look for that driver and kill him myself. <laughs> Now, this is I'm telling you the story. I love this so much. Then one day, I went to my local convention, and I saw the car parked there. I said, who owns this car? They said, one brother. Uh-uh. I said, please, go and call him for me. This was late at night, around 12 midnight. They called him. He was looking for He thought it was something important. I said, what? They said, it's your car. I said, come and drive me around. He looked at me like, he didn't know how to tell you, you yourself. Oh. This is why you woke me up at this time of the night. I said, it's your car now. I just need to take a ride in it. So we entered the car. And he drove. The hotel we use has a lot of ground, so he could drive around and all of that. So my wife was with me that day. As soon as he parked the car, we came there. I said, thank you very much. As he walked in, I told my wife, useless car. <laughs> Typical Japanese thing. Every day. You know, I expect, there's a, there's a feel you get when you drive a German car. That was what I fully expected. It's not enter That's what. I said, what? As you find for outside, now you useless for inside. I said, What? On this spot, I just look and say, nonsense motto. Now, sometimes God knows what is nonsense is the things you are, pl- you are praying for. So that's why I tell people, don't be too, yeah, don't get into this, you know, unnecessary specifics. They tell you the kind of woman you want to marry. To put on, I said, you see, when you have watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians, you know, <laughs> tell me the truth. You start wanting all kinds of nonsense. It's true. Now, people have watched all kinds of rubbish. 
When I was young, I wanted to marry Nefertiti. That's not a joke. My dream woman was a Nefertiti, a Cleopatra. I had to be Egyptian. What am I doing with an Yoruba woman? I mean, you had to be an Egyptian, for goodness sake. What was my reason? I watched Ten Commandments as a little boy. And Moses was looking so handsome. Ramses was looking so handsome. And all the Egyptian women were looking so beautiful. So I said, Lord, make me Moses. You know, that's all I was thinking. <laughs> all of it because I watched Ten Commandments. Every desire you have is formed by something. So, listen, that's why I said leave that. God doesn't deal such things. Adam had never seen an Eve. I hope you're getting my point. So, leave God to make that choice. He said, what if, listen, what if he likes something? Okay, tell, is your father, you can tell him about it. But don't hold on to it by faith. I hope you're getting my point. Don't hold on to it. What else would I mean by Avoid unnecessary specifics. I'm in Enugu today. I've lived in Enugu now since the year 2000. It's been 23 years towards the end of this year. Until the year we came to Enugu, it had never crossed my mind that I would live in Enugu. Never. The thought didn't flash through my mind for one second. No revelation about it. Until the year 2000, when my friends just said, when do you consider coming to Enugu? I said, ah, for what? Another person said, when do you consider coming to Enugu? Ah. And look at that showing up from different places. Ah, Lord, are you the one speaking? Well, let's make a long story short. It turned out it was the Lord. I prayed about it, and God confirmed through many signs that, yes, indeed, he wanted us. I married just shortly before then. They wanted my wife and I to move to Enugu, and we came here. So if I had been holding on to her in the name of Jesus, I would have been, look, let me tell you, there were three places in my life. The closest, that's another thing. The closest I ever wanted to come to Enugu was Uma here. Why? Because one day we went to Oweri, my friends and I, two of us. So from there, they, we picked a third friend and went to Umuahia to see one of our friends in Umuahia. And I, I've loved quiet cities. I love the city. It was beautiful. I saw the way it was. I said, wow, this is nice. I don't, you know, that I was in Lagos for some time. It had to be God. Even the devil can't carry me to Lagos. Love of money can't carry me to Lagos. I love quite, the one Enugu they do now. Say, I don't they look Enugu. Enugu want yourself. Oh, this one place getting crowded. Let's let's move towards Agbani. You know, stuff like that. That's the kind of person that I am. So the only place that was close to Enugu that I could have dreamt of staying in was Umaya. Yet God had a different plan. I hope you're getting my point. What am I saying? Avoid unnecessary specifics. That's one way to keep in faith. Just hold on to the general promise that God has given. There's a general promise he has given that he will supply all your needs. Hold on to it. There th- See, that's why you have to learn to discern what really you are looking for. Many people are pursuing things, thinking that uh, I just want to succeed in this life. No, the main problem is that they are unsatisfied. They are dissatisfied with things. So ask God to satisfy you, not to give you money. Do you get my point? It is so crucial. Look at even the money matter. I've had personal experiences again and again which the money you thought you needed, God just show you don't need it. God just show you don't, you don't need it. That's my point number one. No, I told you I'm going to give you 
Mm-hmm. Points or steps, so that's number one. Now, let me say this another one. This is not sound very nice to a lot of people, okay? Especially when they think they're acting on faith. My second point is this. Don't be adventurous. Allow faith to grow. I hope you get my point. What I mean don't be adventurous. Take your life one step at a time. I like what the Bishop Oedipo used to say. He said, the blessings of God come at a time they will not become a curse. He said, even though they are slow, they are sure. He said, I'd rather be slow and sure than be fast and fail. And take life one step at a time. David said, I don't involve myself in matters too difficult for me. It's very important you get that point. Psalm 131. He said, oh Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty. Nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Listen, one way by which you will not, that your faith will not waver is for you not to involve yourself in matters too difficult for you. Or something not when difficult now, some things are just outside your realm. Let me give an example. Politics. Can I talk politics for a moment? Can I talk politics for a moment? <laughs> politics is one thing that cry. Just, just disgrace children of God. I tell preachers, never ever support any candidate openly. Don't do that. It's a matter too difficult for you. Nigeria had four main presidential candidates, none of which you had ever met. None of you do you know the heart. And we pray that once you win. Something's wrong with you, honestly. What is your, what you need? You need a good president. True or false? True. Go, leave that one to God. Who it will be? Vote for your own person, no? But you don't go and say, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. God says, what is wrong with you? Do you know who I want to win? No. What exactly do you want? What do Nigerians need? I'll tell you. At least what I think I need. You know, if every day I go out, I don't hear bandits kidnap 40 people from a church service in Southern Kaduna, like I heard yesterday. I don't care if the bandit is the president. I don't know whether you're getting my point. <laughs> yeah, if, I, if you could guarantee me that. If you could guarantee me that, I won't hear pokom, pokom as I'm driving on the road, as my shock absorbers are changing shape. I really don't care who's the president, in quotes. Just get my point. If I'm sure that law and order will be maintained and the economy will be balanced and there will be freedom to preach the gospel anywhere, I won't say Jesus is Lord in Bochy. Somebody will stone me. You are getting where I'm going? If you, once you can do all of this for me, in all honesty, I, look, do you know Joseph was not an Egyptian? How many of you know football? I might do football. Where's my... Okay, and a lot of you guys. If I, and ladies, please try and keep your hands down. So the, <laughs> now, Joko, I very good. Before you go and say, what are you doing? What are you doing watching football? I know most ladies. Where's the German? She's not around. It's like the ladies that tell me we know football. There's one Nigerian footballer that they're celebrating like crazy now. Is it Osime? What's his name? Yeah. You know, they don't care whether it's white or black. Just call go. Just call go. That's their own. Just call go. Where are your father from? I don't care. Just call the goal. Apparently, no, I don't watch. The guy has been scoring goals or something. What did he do, really? I'm not yeah, man of God. Oh, their team, his team won the league. And he, I'm sure he scored some things there. He's the highest goal scorer. I saw a video today. They, they don't make cake in the guy's name. Have you seen that one? 
you go to some shops, they ask whether you want the Osime cake. <laughs> yeah, not a joke. They have put his name anywhere. They see their train, the train in the city. Plastered his face everywhere. They don't, they, nobody remembers where he's from, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just Kogo. Just, just be scoring the go. See, you are, you, are, you are from this country, you are white. Just be scoring the go. I mean, when you see the French national team, I mean, yeah. <laughs> in the first day, a few years ago, that was like, World Cup was, which World Cup was this one now? Yeah, okay. The World Cup of like eight years ago, they were watching the World Cup in my house. So, they said France is playing. So I came out to see French team. I sat down. After I had to ask someone, please, where is the French team? Everybody started laughing. Because I wasn't used to football. I was looking for the French team. I didn't see French people. I was seeing black guys all over the place. I think there are 90, like 75% black people playing the French national team. What am I going to say? You want to be my president? I really don't care where you're from. I really don't care what you look like. I don't care whether you speak good English or bad English. Just got the economic goal. Security goal. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, just call it. Just call it. Just call it. So when I want to pray, how many of you have ever prayed? God, this um, this is our uh, uh, tournament we are going for, our team. Lord, let it be this man, this man that was called the goal. Do you ask God? <laughs> no, you don't now. What do you ask for? Let's win. I remember one day I prayed against, uh, I got, not, not every time God hears me about football, but I heard that one. Brazil, I prayed against Brazil, and God, God, I said, God, have you not been to a samba dance? What do they call that? They are this thing. That one, they're walking half naked like peacock. They are carnivals. I told God about the Brazilian carnivals, that he needs to judge it. <laughs> I told him that, do we do carnival in Nigeria? We don't. Thank God. Calabar never started that nonsense that time. They never start. I knelt and I prayed. I said, Lord, look at all the evil they've done. But we, when they go to church, <laughs> next thing, boom! Nigeria equalized. <laughs> I came I wasn't watching all this while. I was hiding somewhere. I came and I sat I said, we're well, going to win this one. Don't worry. I sat down. I remember that. What's his name? Kano Wanko, yes. Kano And the wire one shot hit and one catch it behind. Bounce back. To can one cause with the guy. Boom! But better say crying. I said, good. Father, we thank you. More, more cries of Bebeto. <laughs> now, what I'm going to say is, I see, you have to, as I said, matter is too difficult for you. Some things are too difficult. Difficult as in this outside your, your terrain, your, your control, your area of understanding. When it comes to politics, I wrote a little book. Do you know Christians read and didn't want to agree with me? I said, let us agree. We must get to a point where we're all in agreement. And it was impossible for Christians in Nigeria to be in agreement on which party or which candidate. Some people felt that, no, this is our candidate. Who told you? I know Christians who disagree with you. People are praying in tongues. must win. Ah. This prophet, what did he say? The uh, man He said, God told him to vote for Atiku. You need to hear him say, the old church went silent. Feel? 
He said, God told him to vote. I said, he said, I was so happy. He said, because you see, there was no way we could all come to agreement. I know Christians who were like, one of our brothers told me that, oh God, I fought tooth and toenail, walked with all my heart so people can win. Yeah. And he meant it was sincere. And he explained to me his reasons. So I said, what is wrong with Christians? Why can't we just come to agreement? Leave the candidates' names out. And say, Lord, we want economic goal to be scored. Amen. Security goals to be scored. Amen. Justice goals to be scored. Amen. Freedom goals to be scored. Amen. Infrastructure development goals to be scored. No, that's it. And then Lord, appoint anybody you want to appoint. But I'm going to vote the way I am convinced. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. David said, don't involve yourself in what? Matters too difficult for you. So that's what I mean by don't be adventurous. Let your faith grow. Some people will go out. Now, what I want to say, some people will like it, but it's the truth. They want to cross. Say, Lord, I'm closing my eye right now. I want to walk across the water. There's no need. Say, Lord, send me a boat. I'm serious about that. Many of you want to do is, is overdue. Like somebody said that, why did Jesus, why did, the, what happened to Peter? Charles Cass was the one preaching this. He said, what happened to Peter was that he was, not walk, he was not ready for walking across the water. He said, Lord, why did you tell him to come? He said, he said I should say come. I, I hope I get my point. He said, Lord, you knew he was not walk, ready to walk on the water. Why did you tell him to come? He said, what do you want me to say? The man said, if it is you, she will say it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm beside the waters, I'm being honest with you. We need to cross. We'll be praying in tongues, praying every Father, God, send the boat. Amen. Hallelujah. Send the raft. Amen. Send everything. Amen. Walk across. I ain't walking across, man. Let, listen, listen, listen. And, and I'll quote scripture for you. How many times did Jesus walk across? Every time. How it takes me to Peter. No, we both in the borrow. So leave this thing. <laughs> Where this is that Jesus wanted to preach. Last in the middle of the water. We, we don't have been better. When he wanted to cross, he crossed when he was alone at midnight. So that all these unbelievers won't make him sink. I remember when they walk on water. Nobody. And when he saw the disciples, he dodged them. Go and read your Bible. He was walking his own, they go. One that says, it's a ghost. Oh boy, ah, hey, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. The Bible says he wanted to walk past them. He wasn't minding them. Many of the things he wanted to do in our show. Father, if we can walk on water, they know you are God. They knew he was God. They are not believing him. So leave that thing. If you walk on water, they will say you're a magician. They won't say he's God. I'm being honest with you. If you are beside the water, ask for a boat. Say, Father, we need to cross. Send us a boat. Say, Pastor Banker, are you saying there will be no times we'll have to walk across? This is what I'm saying to you. When it's time to walk across, it's not the Bible because it's the spirit of faith. It's called faith by the spirit. The Lord will appear to you, walk. And you say, yes, sir. And then you will walk. Walking across water is not something you stand there be doing. I confess. No, no, no. no. You're putting your water, your foot and bringing it out. No. I mean, use your face. I mean, I've crossed rivers with small boats, you know, canoes and all of that before. And the first day I had to cross River Benue, I was going to NYC camp. If I drown, my mother won't find out for the next one, two, three months. They won't know where I went. They say, we'll cross here. Ah, where's the boat? When the boat came, I said, eh. Okay. It's a canoe, not boat. Let's call it boat. Give it, make it glorious. It's kind of like this. You sit down like that. Two on a row. You see the water coming out from under the, it's wood. So the guy, the, the conductor is, is just be scooping the water and throwing it away. 
Yeah, I'm serious. Thank God I bought newspaper. So I was reading like I was confident. Many of you say I wear sunshades. I've been wearing sunshades. I was in secondary school. So I had my sunshades on. I was reading my newspaper using feet to cross that water because I'm not talk- because I can't swim. You know, there are people that can swim. I don't believe in swimming. I don't believe in swimming. I always say, if God wanted us to swim, he'll have given us gills and fins. So he didn't do any of the above. Michael Phelps, God bless you. Ain't swimming for nobody. He said, you don't like sports. There are other sports. I can, cl- I can climb mountain. <laughs> Why do people know? The- people don't realize that tree climbing is a sport. Swim? I've never swam in my life. I've never been in any water that crossed my <laughs> my novel. No. <laughs> this is a very jumping inside pool. God bless you. <laughs> there are things I don't just indulge in. No, sometimes I just don't even admire them. I've just I've been to all kinds of I've just been looking. People be diving. Hey, you know, when I see <laughs> When I see white people, I'm looking like, you guys are strange. He said, the guy is riding the surf, riding the waves. Put on that small part of the doing like that. Say, if you die now, what will you expect? <laughs> I, just, I just don't get it. You know, different parts of this world, we have different problems. There are some problems that are meant for those who have eaten and they are full. Some people say they are doing, you know, cave diving. I would never enter a cave. See? <laughs> Even if Antichrist is pursuing people. <laughs> I don't get it. I, look. <laughs> I, I, I told, look, I told myself, I look at my chair and say, I don't care how hungry you are. I, I, I will not be a minor. I can climb mountain. No. I'm not afraid of heights. I'm not afraid of all these things. But they enter inside cave. On that ground. I don't get it. You know, the Native Americans, they have this uh, culture that you have an animal that's like your own, that's your friend. I said, the only animal I can accept is eagle, hawk, you know, falcon, all those ones that glide in space. Those ones that dig underground, you're on your own. Ain't following anybody underground. You know, see this women who now say that uh, they're, 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 what they call it, inspecting caves, caves they're I'm looking at them like. When did you know I was reading one? Reading, Reader's Digest. I was reading. The entire cave. He was passing one place, he contrapped. I closed the book. I did not read it beyond that level. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I bet everybody knows they don't worry them more. The Lord is good. <laughs> what reason that? Look, let's talk about faith. Don't be adventurous in faith. Just gonna stand beside what you want. Listen, get there. Ask God to send you a boat. Do you get my point? 
He said, one man, this really happened. Well, well I don't know what really happened, but it's written in the, in the, the archives of their history, the history of Buddhism. So one day Buddha was walking on the river bank, and he met one guy, one of these uh, mystics. And the guy told Buddha, ah, I practice one thing they call austerity for 20 years. So Buddha said, so? He said, now I can walk across the stream. I can, I can walk across a small river. Buddha said, 20 years to walk across the river. Why don't you pay the ferry one shilling? Buddha was a wise man. He said, 20 years to practice to be able to walk, float across water. One shilling, the ferry will have carried you across. So that guy was really wise. See, we don't do faith to impress anybody. I hope you're getting my point. Faith is not for impressing people. It's for solving problems, working with God. So if you get to the edge of the river, that's what I mean by don't be adventurous. Divine order is simple. Get a boat. If you don't have a boat, pray for one. So I'm praying, Lord, I want to walk across now. Some people, there was a storm one day in South Korea. Some boys joined their hands. Father, you've done it before. You can't do it again. Water kite all of them and killed them. Drowned them. It was an embarrassment to the church in South Korea. Ah, they called on God. Did he answer them? You know what God said? I did not send them. Why didn't they ask me for a boat? I read about it when uh, Young Ichu tried to explain it in uh, his book, The Fourth Dimension. Last time I was talking, I said third. It's fourth dimension is the name of the book. That's why I read about it. It was national. It was in the papers. The, the river had, um, you know, there was a heavy rain and all of that. So the river overflowed the banks and all of that. So people, they wanted to go somewhere. So they are Christians. They joined their hands, about four, a number of them. And they prayed that they would walk on water. And they began to walk across the water. And they all drowned. They fished their bodies out days later. And because they did it in the, in the, in the open, this people started reporting on it. God has failed them again. God didn't fail them. The water was high. You need to cross it, ask him for a boat. Will the time not come when we Christians walk across water? Those are not things you exercise faith for. God will breathe the faith into you. That's why I said there are gifts of the Spirit. Faith by the Spirit. Faith by the Spirit. When that comes, it's not something we negotiate or pray about or exercise ourselves about or clench our teeth to do. You just find yourself in the middle of the water. Sometimes you wonder, how did I get here? Many times, please go and read Hebrews chapter 11. Every single person there had an encounter with the Lord concerning what they did. Sarah received strength to conceive, not because she desired something, but because the Lord revealed to her you will bear a son. Faith comes by hearing. God spoke to her. That's what she believed. That was where faith came from. Now you just wake up your mind for, for anything. You now start, this one, I, want, I told the Lord to do this one. The initiative is always with God, not with you. Let's go on. Number three. Oh, no, I'm, okay, I combine. Keep your request based on the word. What I mean by that is that if you are sick, he has promised healing. Do you get my point? So, Lord, you promised healing. He didn't even promise the method. He just promised what? Healing. Some will be instantaneous. Some will be gradual. 
some will say, let them make a cake of figs and apply it to the wound. But I don't know what they did concerning um, Hezekiah. I hope you're getting my point. Sometimes he will say, clay, spit to rub on the eyes. Sometimes he will put a hand in the ears. Sometimes he won't even go there. Different levels of faith, different manifestations of faith, but the same healing. There was one woman, in fact, I'll get it in a moment. I read the story. Okay, let me just tell the story here because I was going to get to the point in which, like I said, keep the request based on the word. He didn't promise any method. Do you get my point? Healing is, his, is our portion, amen? Healing is his promise, amen? amen? Sometimes it is instantaneous. Sometimes it is gradual. Sometimes you do nothing. Other times you say, make a cake of figs applied to the boil. Times you lay hands. Sometimes it makes clay with spittle. Different ways. But healing comes. There was one. How did the healing come into their food? Let's just use that food. He took flour, put it on the pot. That was um, Elisha. And that brought healing. Some say, um, Abraham, pray for everybody in the household of Abimelech. Different ways. Why am I saying so? God is very kind. He meets people on the point of their need. The way he healed one may not be the, one he, the way he healed the other. There are times, I've personally had that experience many times. I pray, I tell my, look, I don't want to. In fact, one moment I was alone, single, I'll just lie down there. I would, don't worry, I'll lie down here, I'll be fine. There was one particular one, it took me one whole month to get well. A whole month it took me to get well. Now, for information, don't think that uh, I want, <laughs> I, when I took ill, I don't know what, what the problem was, I, I thought of maybe I had malaria or something. So after praying for like a day or two, I bought the, the drugs necessary. But in a funny way, I won't, this happened to me twice now in life. I can remember. To this, we made it clear. You're not taking. When I was younger, I could give myself injections. I was not a drug addict. Just normal anti-malaria. Don't worry. The thing I could do, I'm a very funny person. I couldn't take tablets, but I could take injections without flinching. Time to take two tablets of paracetamol. I can choke on it. People are just different. But the injection, they used to do me anything. The doctor said, I'll give you five injections. When I was a small boy, I won't even, I'll just be looking like, whether it's painful, it's not painful. I'm just going to stand like that. But if you, take, instead of, if you don't want to take the five injections, you can take five tablets. I said, i put the injection. I'm not swallowing anything. Mine was so bad that if, you, if I see you take a, use a cup to put water in your mouth and take two tablets of paracetamol, I can't drink from that cup. I don't know. I, I just hated my mother used to say, you're going to be a doctor. You can't take, inject, uh, take tablets. It's not a requirement. It's physical chemistry and biology they need. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need all this you're saying. Yeah. So that time, I, I was going to take this thing, but something happened. One or two things just put together. I packed everything, threw them in the dustbin. I said, the Lord doesn't want me to take it. I said, what am I going to do? So I stay here and get well. I knew my treatment was coming from my Bible and listening to messages. It took one month. Every day I wake up, I was losing weight. I just dragged myself to work. 
I said, I didn't used to go anywhere. Come back home, take my Bible and read. Play messages. Take my Bible and read. It took me a whole month to get well. Do you get my point? It happens. But I prayed before that. Next morning, dramatically, I recovered. A friend of mine once, he wasn't feeling well. He came and met me. He, what is wrong? I entered his room. He was there. What is, by the side of Jesus, I'm healed. I corrected the room. Swallowed that tablet as I'm watching you now. Swallowed that. I just, came, I, didn't even, I just went there. How, how are you doing? He said, I'm fine. I came with the tablets. Yeah? Four. Swallow. Say, Fred, mate, everything. To be what I swallowed. Wham. Add this one, join. Well, I'll check you in the next six hours. You understand that? He said, no problem. I, I didn't even lay hands on him. I just said, <laughs> not in my mind. This faith you are trying to operate, you, know, you don't have it. Yeah. And this malaria you have, these anti-malarias, they work. Take. There's no adventure here. So I just want you to understand that. So I believe every side of it. The story I was going to tell you is that it's in the book, uh, Take That Risk by Ben Carson. Ben Carson was in his office. A woman and her husband, their child was sick unto death. Every doctor in America that they knew had given up. Then they prayed. And they came to meet Ben Carson and said to him, God said we should come and meet you. You will treat this boy and he will be fine. Ben Carson, just like me, doesn't like being harassed with God said. He will follow the procedure, which is the right thing to do. He will follow the procedure for managing a case like that. He said, get me all the case file, the report from the other doctors. He went through everything. He said, hopeless case. Told them, the child is not likely to survive. There's nothing medically we can do. The woman was on speaking, said, you don't understand. That God said, you will treat this child. And this child will be well. He didn't know how to drive them away. So he said, okay. Hoping the other doctors made a mistake, he took the child to the theater. Opened the head. The child had a serious, terrible brain tumor. Opened his head, took a small biopsy, and sent to the pathologist. Pathologist reported what every other pathologist elsewhere in America had said. Incurable. The child was in coma. Incurable. The child is going to die. So told the parents, sorry, nothing changed. The woman said, you don't get a point. God said, <laughs> you will treat this child and the child will be well. He like, which kind of fanatics do I have on my hands? But he has, they have some rules. The rule is that after surgery, you must get a post-surgery MRI. So after we were doing God said, he brought a post-surgery MRI. He looked at it. Then suddenly he saw something nobody had seen. They thought the thing was growing in the brain stem, which nobody can touch. But he just discovered that, no, it was only pressing on it. It's actually outside. There's a thin line. He rushed the little boy back to theater and began to claw away at that dangerous cancer. Claw, remove as much of it as possible. In a few hours, the boy woke up. He, he was amazed. They looked at it and said, this is the type of cancer it is. Okay, so we need to start chemotherapy. Hard drugs, you know, dangerous drugs to treat the rest of the cancer. They said, no, you've done what God said you should do. We are going home. They went home. Ben Carson says, I'm writing the book. Years later, the boy is still very fine. He said, I, he said, I couldn't argue with them. Now, it would be foolish on his part, thank God he didn't claim it. To say he's the one that did that, no. Medical science could not claim it. 
God took his whole glory complete. I hope you are getting my point here. Which is one thing I wanted to get to as we go on. I will refer to this. Let me not miss my steps. I was saying something. I will get to now I say, don't be adventurous. That's why I say all of some of these things. But I will get back to the issue. This story I told. There's a place I wanted to refer to something like this along the line. But let's just continue. Next point this is number, number three. Don't trust in your faith. Trust in God. Did you hear what I said? I've seen that mistake a lot of times with Christians. They trust in their faith. Faith is actually trust in God. You can't trust in your faith. What is trusting your faith? Think it's the number of times you make the confession that will get the results. What is trusting your faith? Crafting your confession in such a manner as if you are doing Hinduism or Buddhism here. Listen, the only thing you need to say is, he has said, I can boldly say. Your faith, look, faith is about having, listen to this, trust in the mercy and the grace of God. Not in your knowledge of anything like I will know the keys. No. The story of one man I heard, he did everything he knew to do. I don't know him personally, I heard the story from another person. Everything they said do in faith, he did. He was getting sicker and sicker until he almost died. So just before he died, he laid down and told God, I don't know what else to do. Please have mercy on me. He just lay down there. He woke up, he was well. After that, he started preaching that there's no need to confess the one. I said, no, don't spoil it, don't spoil it. You had faith in your confessions. You didn't have faith in God. When you now took your faith and placed upon God, really, he came through. He just said, Lord, have faith, have mercy on me. I've learned that one, and I'm praying. I don't, ah, look, see, Obojo and faith are two different things. The confidence is not faith. It's not faith. Read your Bible. Those who really trusted in God, they didn't have that kind of confidence you're talking about. They just had absolute reliance. I don't want to use the word trust now for certain reason, reasons. They just had absolute reliance on God. Like God, though, there's nowhere else we are going. Say, if you won't help us, let's die in front of your throne. When we are dead, you bury us. That's it. They didn't have anything more than they said, God, you are our God. There's nothing else. Some people say that Ezekiah reminded God. Ezekiah did no such nonsense. The only thing Ezekiah did was to tell God, say, oh, I love Nathan Abbasi. I think that's what was in the while. When I have issues, when will Allah jam me like this? See, happened recently. I just put, good enough, thank God for smart. I don't know what you would do your phone. I use for things like this. I just look for Nathan Abbasi. I put the phone on my chest, and he's singing. I have no other God but you. That's it. I have no other God but you. As I was singing along with him. That was what Ezekiah was saying. So he goes, okay, so you say I go die. So where will I go? It's not you have been following all this while. So if I need help now, where do you want me to go? I like that woman that said God. Help me now. You know, if it's you, then they help. That just makes me laugh. He said, God, if you are the one that needed help, and I could help you, you know I will. <laughs> Sincere. In fact, it's not, I have the client is gone above the one. No. Faith is a God. If you will not 
Help me. I have help nowhere else. The other day we were going to just we were at the airport for hours. Partly because normal delay, the president was traveling, they closed the airspace. I got tired of sitting for five hours. I told my wife, let's, let's take a stroll. Our stroll took longer than we planned. They said we had a one hour delay. I said, okay, let's just take a stroll for like 40 minutes, then we'll be back. They said it took longer than that. Make a long story short, by the time we got back, they said the plane had finished loading and they've closed the doors and we have missed the flight. I said, this must be a joke. I've been sitting down here for five hours. How could I have missed a flight that I did not leave the airport? He said they were as if we are not saying, didn't you do a head count or something? Let's make a long story short. I said, call the pilot. They said against their protocol. Ah, please call this pilot now. Tell him you left two important people behind. What's up with you? I was with my wife. He said against their protocol. I didn't even know I just said something. I just said to the Lord, Lord, oh, please. I forget the exact words that he used. But I said it out loud. The Bible said, disciples heard him. One woman there heard me. But they said, I see the station manager. I ran downstairs. After my wife called me, come back, come back. I said, what's going to say? Please just come back. So I rushed back up. I came up. I saw they had wheeled the steps. Nobody called anybody. Yeah, they wheeled the steps back to the plane. The door opened. I saw everybody coming down. They said, the pilot just said that, sorry, he can't fly. He needs to have a check on the plane. Everybody should go down. The woman looked at my wife. He said, your husband must be a man of God. He said, your husband must be a man of God. She said, yes, he's a man of God. He's actually going to just go and preach. Where I'm going, I didn't tell you, ah, I command this plane, you're not moving that without me. <laughs> you know, it sounds very romantic for me to come and say that here. You know, it will sound romantic. Like, Pastor, ha, power. He said, power. Pastor, these are powers you have not yet touched. Or just, I just said something out loud. I can't remember the exact words. Like, God, if you want me to go, you have to get me on that plane. That's what I just said. I, said, Lord, if you want me, I think something like that. If you want me to go, otherwise, I'm going to take it like you don't want me to go and preach in Joseph. You've been waiting here for five hours, and the plane leaves me behind. There was something like, oh, I, command, I didn't command nobody. I begged them, talk to the They refused. They said it's against the protocol. Next thing, the the one ninja just looked at said, you are not going anywhere. I don't know what flashed on his um, controls. The man just said, no, the plane can't fly. They need to do some checks. So everybody cool down. Ten minutes later, they said, everybody bought the next plane beside it. This time, all of us walked down. One woman was complaining. Why did we have to come down the first plane? What's all of this? I looked at her and said, madam, they were waiting to carry me. And I, no, yeah. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said, the Lord is good. What am I saying? Trust in him, not in your faith. What do I mean by trusting him? Trust in the character of God. Trust in the love of God. Put your hope in his person, not the techniques you have learned. Put your hope in him, not in the techniques that you learned. That's what I'm making. Make sure your hope is entirely in the Lord, not in your techniques. Don't, what many people call faith is nothing but stubbornness. That's all it is. I'm just being stubborn. 
I'm going to stop along the line. I don't know where, where I'm going to get to. Next point I want to give to us. Recognize that his timing is different from yours. Let me just join with this number, number five, which is recognize that his ways may be different. Now, I've, I've, I've said something about recognize his ways may be different. The method that he wants to use. Sometimes say, God, I remember one of my friends. They were having issues with their landlord. So they went and prayed. Do this kind of thing. We command favor. Ah, Christians can't come. We command favor. We command. They say, And I walked to the man, expecting to receive favor. The man drove them out. Go and pack your load and leave my house. Do you know that was the key that moved them from where they were staying to a far better house, in fact, to another town nearby, which they never regretted. Because the favor you want is not what God is trying to show. Because God said, no, no, your favor is somewhere else. Live here. I reserve favor for you somewhere else. You go to an office. They say they are sacking people. They are sowing seed. They will not sack you. It's not necessary. If they say they are laying people off, just smile. Let me beg you. Don't even ask God, please. I don't want to be laid off. Say, Lord, I hope I've worked faithfully. Because sometimes many of these, okay, let's assume that Joseph understood faith like you and I. Once he got to the house of Potiphar, maybe one pastor or Kimothy will arrive. I have a special anointing to give you something that you will want. You are going to say, Father, I've come with my shade in my hand, and the harvest I want is what? Go back home. Abi, what other harvest? Lord, let Potiphar love me so much you will hear my true story and investigate. Oh, he called the I declare Potiphar. Why? You have eaten, you have food in the house of Potiphar. Why won't you be declared on Potiphar's head? Well, God said, all right, I've heard you. This is the way you are going to live here. That is my door. They open the door. You fall, bam, into the prison. Courtesy. Mrs. Potiphar. Brethren, let's be honest. Your faith is not, God has failed you again. <laughs> you know, he failed you the first time. He sold you as his name. Now he has failed you again. That poor girl didn't even cross her mind to say that maybe God doesn't even want me to go to this place. He would think that God doesn't have specific plans. He does. He does. He does. So his way may be different from yours. The method he wants to use to accomplish something in your life. God said, look, look, Joseph, don't worry. You will see your father one day. But when next your father will see you, your father will worship. And of course, when his father saw him next, ah, when he saw the whole caravan that came from Egypt, all the goods and supplies, what is this? They said it is Joseph. Which Joseph? Not only is Joseph alive, his dream has come true. Or his dreams, you know, he had two of them. His dreams have come true now. When he got there, he saw his son like a literal king on the throne. Wow. You literally are the son. I mean, how did he say it again? You are a shining star. Your sheep is standing straight. All his brothers bowed to him. Not the way he thought it would happen. Sometimes, see, that's one thing. You are asking God for deliverance. He said your Messiah is not going to come with bow and arrow. 
He's going to go to a cross. You're asking God for the way he's going to supply it. Please, eh, just ask God. Some people say, eh, eh, I want to marry a rich husband. God says, does that look like what you need? What you need is what? Comfort. What you want is financial difficulties to be removed from your life. You don't want to suffer the way your father and your mother suffer when you're growing. Is that not Or just say it like that. Don't you think I can bless you? You will make a rich husband. Do you hear what I say? You will, at least, I put something in your hand. Your presence will make your husband rich. What is all this nonsense? I want to marry a rich husband. I'm going to marry an unbelieving man that comes to church. He said, I, knew, I know what God said to me. God didn't say anything to you. It's his E-class that spoke to you. Listen, when a man is driving an E-class, a new one, it's difficult to hear the truth. See, let me tell you, young ladies, eh? when you see a very correct man, pray, say, God, help me. That's all you can say. Because if he just says, praise God, he says, he's on the word, he's on the word. All he said is, praise God. <laughs> yeah, because you want to believe. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, you want, your heart wants to believe that he's good, his journey is correct. No, let's not stay there. What you need, ask the Lord, tell him flat. But his way may be different. And often it's different. The place you're praying, God, I want a job here. God say, listen, what? Is it not the salary they are paying? Relax. Work with me. In 15, 17 years' time, you will be paying that salary. You, you will be paying it. I'm not saying you will be earning it. I say, you will not be the one paying it. But then, the pathway to that place is through a cross. This is how you keep faith on and don't let doubt come in your heart. His method may be different. That's why I told the story of that woman. That's how I referred to it. Everybody had done all kinds of things. It was still God that healed that little boy. But because he has to come to a level of faith to help the people. He said, all right, fine. Go. Tell Ben Carson. And the accurate said, God said. The man said it's not possible. He said, but God said it's possible. They used the name of God to terrorize that doctor. And of course, you know the truth. The anointing came upon him. And he did the will of God in their lives. It was different ways. So recognize, like I said, that his way may be different. And number four is that his timing may be different. Five is his way may be different. Number four, before that, so I'm combining the two. His timing may also be different. So what you need to do is what? Watch out for his ways and just keep on trusting him. Just keep watching out. He, it's going to open doors different ways. We won't go into the different kind of doors that he might open. Then let me just say this one. We're going to stop here. Take baby steps of receiving and celebrate every little cloud of rain that you see. Let me go over that again. What did I say? Take baby steps of receiving and celebrate every cloud of rain. Now, what do I mean by that? Time will not allow us, because I don't want to take too much time. When Jonah prayed, as he was drowning, the first thing God did for him was to take him into the mouth of the fish. Remember that? When I read the story of Jonah, there he began to give thanks. Some will say, Lord, is this what they call deliverance? Jonah said, I'm still conscious. This place is dark, but I'm alive. Thank God for that. I hope you're getting my point. I'm still conscious. Thank God for that. 
after the encounter of Elijah with the prophets of Baal, you remember the story, and Ahab. And Elijah went to pray. Remember what happened? That's first, uh, where is that story? First Kings chapter 18. Time will not allow us, but you can read it later. You remember that in that first Kings chapter 18, he said, okay, Ahab, go ahead. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Then Elijah went up to the mountain to go and pray. Do you remember that? Which verse is that? That's around verse 44. Yeah. Verse 41. Now Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink. There is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. That's the New American Standard. King James says the the sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. But Elijah went up to the mount, to the top of Camel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go back seven times. And he came about at the seventh time that he said, behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, that is be in a hurry, so that the heavy shower does not stop you. In a little while, the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. Now, this is where I'm going. Elijah did not wait for the rain before he began to celebrate it. All he saw was what? A small sign. All he saw was a small sign. All he saw was a small sign that God is working out something when he began to rejoice over it. I have found that many people truncate God's blessings because they grumble because the initial dose is small. Did you hear what I said? This is not all we are asking for now. We just asked for plenty of money sent 2005. You know one of the things I found out those days? I said, you have an old car, it's giving you problems. Believe God for a new one. Amen? Go and repair the old one. Some people think that if you repair the old, it's a sign that you don't believe. I said, no, it's easier to believe if that one is still working. When you start trekking, eh? <laughs> you'll be angry with God. Some people now do something, they'll now go and give the, the old car as a seat. To who? <laughs> a car you couldn't maintain. You want to sow it into my life, it's not germinate BMW for you. <laughs> You're not serious. <laughs> you, you couldn't maintain it, you want to give me. You're not serious. Maintain your car, my friend. One dash moto, dash moto. Don't sew it. <laughs> what am I going to say? That's how you look. Take the baby steps and celebrate little things. Look, this car that you don't like so much that's giving you problems. If you put in 200k, 500k, which God can give you, you know that the car will be in order. It's not the best, but at least to serve you. But the new one you're asking for, let's be honest, you want to buy a good one. You're talking 7 million naira. Which one is easier to believe for? 500k or 7 million naira? Bros, take your life easy. Collect the 500k. Say, Lord, I'm believing you. This can't believe it for a 7 million. Thank you, Daddy. Take this one. Repair this one well. So that when you want to even give it to somebody, it will be looking nice. Not that, eh, eh, I'm not believing God. I don't have, I can't be, look, all things are passed away. This is Look, it's your sin that passed away, not your car. I hope you get my point. So, <laughs> repair this one well. And as you are driving it, you are giving thanks. As you are driving it, you are giving thanks, knowing that a new one is coming. 
Then you go to manage the thing. If you can't travel again, no problem. Just use it for within town. When you want to travel, you go and enter a commercial. Listen, it's important you keep your heart clear of worries and burdens. Many people make waiting for God so difficult. You make waiting for God so difficult. Listen, God will give you a very nice house. Amen? Amen. But meanwhile, pack out of that longo, rent a bigger one. You are waiting till you have enough money to build a mansion. You won't have that money because peace of mind will not let you have it. That's lack of peace. As God, you see, I have one guy. <laughs> anyway, he doesn't listen to my messages, so he won't know what I'm talking about. When, when, when we are talking, he said, uh, my car, I said, you call that thing car. The way I have his car, if you don't know us, you will laugh there. I said, that is not a car. It's a disgrace to humanity. You, I, said, I, I, I said, one day, the thing will just collapse on the road. You'll be okay. <laughs> I have his car day and night. You know why I can do that confidently? It's not money that's his problem. He has. The house is building. It has like eight rooms. Each one of them, self-contained and suited. And whatever English they use to describe it. I say, oh boy, you can't say because you are building a house, no, you won't drive this motor. And I said last time, any big thing you are doing that's making us small, small things, your life stop. You never reach. You have not reached that level yet. Please, when you are big, living God for a big thing, enjoy the small ones. It makes it easier to wait. I hope you've gotten my point. Let's bow down our heads and give you a lot of thanks. I hope we have learned something today. Faith must not be let go of. We must never let faith go. We must continually believe. We must continually believe. What I've done today is just to show us little steps to make our hearts be at peace as we are waiting on the Lord to do something different in our lives or something new. Pray, pray. I say, Lord, strengthen my faith. It's important. It's not by your own energy. It's by the grace of God. Say, Lord, strengthen my faith. 